Welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast. This is your host, Tim Ferrara. I'm so glad you're joining me today. This podcast is designed to help you keep your eyes on Jesus every day. And as always, we are a member of the Edify Podcast Network. Find more great Christian content today. I really hope you checked out last week's episode with Dr. Stephen C. Meyer. It was a great episode full of scientific knowledge about the Big Bang, evolution, multiverses, and more, including the favorite title of any podcast I've ever done, Goldilocks and the Multiverse. So make sure you check that out. I would encourage you to get my books, Eyes on Jesus, a 90-day discernment devotional, and my first book, Everyday Discernment, The Importance of Spirit-Led Decision-Making. Well, last week we talked about the beginning of our world, and this week we're going to talk about the end of the world with prophecy. It's going to be a great conversation with the prophecy pros coming up right now. Welcome to the podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Welcome to the podcast. My guests today are Jeff Kinley and Todd Hampson. Jeff has authored 38 books and has three decades of pastoral ministry. Todd is an author, an illustrator, and an animation producer. Together, they host the Prophecy Pros podcast and have a new book called The Prophecy Pros Illustrated Guide to Tough Questions About the End Times. Guys, welcome to the show. How are you today? Doing great, Tim. Thanks Thanks. for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to connect. You know, we're both on the Edified Podcast Network as like featured podcasts. And so I've seen you on there. I started listening to your podcast too and uh, excited about your book and talking about, you know, kind of what spurred you into uh, talking about prophecy. It's one of the hot button topics that people either love to debate or love to avoid. And so, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you guys are in the middle of it and uh, we'll talk more about that. But just give us a little more about your background, Todd, if you want to start, you know, a little bit more. The bio is pretty short. So anything else you'd like our audience to know? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm, I'm, my real background is I'm an animation producer and I've always been in the arts and graphic design and that kind of thing, produced stuff for ministry and children's ministry for years. And uh, But God kind of used all my skill sets, including um, my passion for eschatology, to write these books, write this book and other books on eschatology in a way that people can understand. I find that most people are visual learners. So if it's uh, got some good visuals you can put in there that are simple and easy to understand and not overly complex, people tend to uh, learn a lot from that. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. How about you, Jeff? Yeah. Well, uh, when I got saved at a, at a, not an early age, but age 16 after a life of uh, pretty much hedonism, <laughs> I guess that's what you call it. But um, yeah, when the Lord saved me and then called me into ministry and um, went to college and went to Dallas seminary, got out of seminary, went to uh, become a youth pastor for many, many years. And uh, grew, that grew into a college pastor to a senior pastor. So about 30 years of a pastoral experience there. And um, during that time was writing a bunch of books, different books, discipleship books for kids and or for students and stuff. And, and that grew into some other genres, biographies and things like that. And then uh, and then 2014 wrote my first uh, book on prophecy, which I'm sure we're going to get into here in a little mm-hmm. bit. So married, yeah. uh, let's see, this Sunday will be 40 years of marriage with my wife. Hey. So that's pretty Congrats. cool. And uh, three grown uh, kids with uh, amazing families of their own. So, awesome. yeah, very blessed. Yeah. I, and I should mention that, too. I was going to say as soon as I stopped talking, I was like, I should have mentioned my family. So, yeah, I've <laughs> yeah. been married about 22 years. Uh, got my oldest. I have two kids at UGA. One of them is about to graduate. And then two weeks later, he gets married. So we got a lot coming at us fast right now. Good. And then I also have another son who's a high school age uh, student. So 
Good. You crawled out of the doghouse that you would have been in if you <laughs> didn't. Oh, <know>. uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, cool. How did you both connect for your book and podcast? It's funny, actually, Jeff, yeah. Jeff kind of helped me um, when God led me. I thought I was just going to be writing one book. So I have a, a series called The Nonprofits Guide. And the first one, The Nonprofits Guide to the End Times. I approached Jeff and said, hey, man, I've been working with this uh, agent, but agency, but there's really, we're not clicking. They don't really see the value. Come to find out later, they had kind of a different eschatology view than I did. And that was why. But, but anyway, Jeff kind of helped me connect with the publishing, my current publishing agency. And then, you know, God just kind of took it from there. And then we kept bumping into each other at prophecy conferences. And the more we talked and hung out, the more we realized we're cut from the same cloth. We both have a, an unchurched background. And then we both have a passion for prophecy because fulfilled prophecy shows that the Bible is reliable. And then that naturally gives us a passion for future prophecy, which a lot of people aren't even touching now. Like, you know, it's kind of sad. So we both have this passion to share it in a relevant way with a new generation. Uh, And then God just kind of took it from there. Honestly, we're, we're holding on with both hands trying to keep up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. That's a good place to be in. And you know, God's directing you and uh, the animation, I I was looking through some of your books online and your newest one and uh, very, very well done. So uh, very <laughs> pleasing. I don't know a lot about animation, but I know it's very pleasing to the eye and very easy to kind of follow <laughs> along. So uh, yeah. I think people and especially younger audience uh, will engage with that, the mm-hmm. the style that you have there. So thanks. And then the podcast too cover a lot of different topics regarding prophecy. So prophecy pros, everyone can check that out. You know, and I, I thought if you ever want to do a blog, you could call it prophecy pros of P-R-O-S-E. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So that's exactly. the dad joke of the day. Or, so, or, or our first book on poetry, we'd call it that. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's there it. Go. That's, I want, I want credit for work. the credit for the idea. <laughs> you, you, you'll get the dad joke asterisk yeah. there at the perfect. There you well, go. <laughs> that's all I, all I want in life. So, well, cool. So, uh, th- this season of Eyes on Jesus, we're focused on discernment. Mm-hmm. In far as discernment roadblocks, we've talked a lot about discernment in other seasons. And discernment roadblocks, I wanted to bring up because there are times where we're following God, and it's not that we, if we follow God and we say yes to whatever He has for us, it's not that it's going to be an easy path with no obstacles. We know that's not the case. And so, I wanted to bring some clarity to the fact that. Even if you're following God, and even if you're doing what he says, he will test you. There will be trials that come up that we have to persevere through in order to see the blessing on the other side. And so I wanted to ask you both just kind of a quick story about a time when you had a discernment roadblock in your life, and kind of how you persevered through it. So Todd, if you want to kick us off with that. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a, my background is an animation producer. So I we used to have a studio and for about eight years, we were, you know, had an on-site crew and we were cranking stuff out for ministries and that kind of thing. And then the 2008 uh, financial dip hit. And long story short, we, we weathered the storm till about 2011 or, or so. And then it just, it, it caught up with us. You know, when, when people don't have any money, animation is not really a top priority. So yeah. <laughs> uh, food and gas and that kind of thing right. seemed to be more important for some reason. <laughs> uh, so people pulled back and we, we lost a bunch of contracts. And um, so I, at the time, whenever I have a crisis of faith or, or something I'm struggling with and I'm really seeking the Lord, the Lord usually brings me a book or a person who's like perfect for that space that kind of coaches me through it or both. And I, at that time, I, I was reading a book called Necessary Endings. And the, the premise of the book is, you know, we hear about all these God dreams we're so, supposed to have and we're supposed to persevere, but sometimes we're supposed to let stuff die. Mm. And uh, that's where I was at. I really thought the dream was dead. I thought, okay, God, you're, you're shifting my gear somewhere else. I thought maybe I was called to go work at a church. So I approached that angle. 
Uh, looking back in hindsight, that wasn't wouldn't have been a good move for me because I love what I do, the creative side and the the flexibility and the entrepreneurial side. Sure. But anyway, long story short, it was right after that we had we we kind of clouded everybody. So right after that, we got a big contract. So we had to figure out how to work remotely. And little did I know that was preparing us for COVID. So COVID hit, mm. and we didn't miss a beat. We had all the tools set up and whole nine yards. And more importantly, it was during that time when I took a fresh look at eschatology, a deeper dive, and really was had kind of heartbroken that nobody was talking about it, that even solid believers weren't really seeing the the biblical you know developments that were happening right in front of us. So that's when I wrote my first book, and that's when Jeff and I connected. And that's kind of just taken off. And then now they've kind of come full circle to where we're doing I'm doing some stuff that involves the animation side as well as the writing side. Uh, and also, God led me recently to to go to seminary. So I'm actually I'm going to DTS at the moment, trying to catch up to Jeff, but he won't slow down. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm loving that, learning so much, and um, I feel like we have a front row seat to seeing biblical things unfold. Yeah. And those of us who are called to teach in the space in a creative and a new and a relevant way uh, are, are just our, our ministries are exploding. So it's uh, it's been a it's been a fun ride. And again, God just used all of that all those crises, all that turmoil to prepare me and get me to where I am right now. Yeah, that's so cool. And I've heard that from a few guests I've had on this podcast is how God prepared them for an online ministry, even before COVID was a thing. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're listening to God, he will prepare you for what's coming. Even if you don't know the reason, like, why is my physical thing dying? You know, well, maybe God has a bigger plan, just like he prepared, you know, through Joseph, he prepared the Israelites for with food, even in the midst of a famine. And so that's why having discernment and listening to God uh, really aligns us with uh, knowing the future. Even if we don't know every step, we can trust God that he has already been there if we, if we even if we can't see it. So hey, and one other thing before, yeah. I mean, I, I meant to mention this, um, that's really important is Another study I did years before that, actually one that convinced me that I was supposed to ask my wife to marry me, was Mm. Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Mm. And that what I learned in that about how to hear from God when it's confusing, how to know God's voice versus pizza you ate last night. uh, Those things helped me navigate through that season that I just explained. Mm. Uh, So again, all of that just kind of funneled into God positioning me right where he wanted me. And exactly like you said, sometimes it's confusing but if you just pursue God one step at a time, he'll lead you right where you need to be. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Jeff, do you have any examples? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think I think the, the the pivotal point in my, I guess, my my life has been, uh, other than coming to Christ and meeting my wife, um, but in 1999, I was the uh, youth and college pastor at, at a very large megachurch uh, in the South, denominational megachurch, uh, making a lot of money. Uh, I had more money to play with in my ministry than I ever dreamed of. And so it was kind of like the dream job, kind of the pinnacle of of my pursuit in, as far as the pastoral world. But I was really empty inside just because of the way the church was being run. And uh, although we were making disciples, uh, th- the whole church just wasn't being run according to the Holy Spirit. And so mm. uh, we decided, made a very difficult decision. And we talk about discernment, um, the decision to step away from that, to walk away from all of it, uh, benefits, salary, future, you know, everything. And just, I don't know what's next. I mean, I'm, I'm literally going to just jump out of this tree. I don't even have a parachute on and let's just see what happens, you know? And, um, the Lord directed my desire and our desire for me to start my own ministry. 
And uh, we called it main thing ministry because we want to keep the main thing, the main thing. Right. And um, so that's, that began my writing and speaking ministry, kind of launching it, you know, worldwide. And then we, during that time, we moved back to Little Rock where, where, where I am now. And uh, we started the youth ministry in our home, just an entrepreneurial kind of thing. And it grew to 40 kids on Wednesday nights. Um, we started a little church in our neighborhood. We did that for 10 years, reaching unchurched uh, Gen Z people. So, but since 1999, we have not known from week to week where our money's coming from. Mm. So we've had to trust God literally uh, for 23 years now. And he's, I mean, there've been times where it's been thin, but, um, and times where, again, the discernment kicks in, Tim, because at that time you go, well, maybe God's trying to tell you, you're not supposed to be doing this because it's hard, you know? And so it was during those times, no, no, we have a call. There's a call here. And the call stays, no matter if it's fun or not fun. And so we have plugged forward. And then, you know, in 2014, I'd written, I don't know, 25, 26 books or whatever. But in 2014, I wrote my first book on Bible prophecy. That was an area of discernment as well, mm-hmm. because that that decision to write that book has has really kind of altered the course of my life again, uh, really kind of more fine-tuning it, I would say, uh, into more of that niche kind of thing. And, and so that discernment decision uh, to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm basically just writing about prophecy. Mm. And so that's been you know my last 10 books or so. So uh, all that to say is discernment is critical in the life of a Christian because it changes, can change the whole trajectory of your life. So um, yeah. that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. And I think that's encouraging for people who are in the middle of it, who may not see you know the blessing with it that God promised them, or, or why am I starting this? Why am I doing this? Why am I serving here? But at the same time, it takes work. You know, We're not saved by works, but it does take work to see God's vision uh, come to pass because he might just say, like for me, I started a blog, I started a, a book, a ministry, a podcast. I had to research. I had to figure out how to do all that stuff because I didn't know anything about it. And so, but I knew from God, that's what I was supposed to do. And a lot of times he'll point you in the right direction, but then it's our feet on the ground, our effort that sees that and to pass. I mean, with God's strength, of course, we rely on him daily. We keep our eyes on him daily. And that's why, you know, I wrote my devotional eyes on Jesus because it's so important with the world of distractions we live in that we keep our eyes on Jesus every day and not get caught up in, you know, the sensationalism in the media, in whatever else is going on. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. I kind of wanted to tie that into Bible prophecy. You know, how does understanding for each of you, uh, understanding Bible prophecy help you keep your eyes on Jesus daily? What does it do for your spiritual walk? If Todd, you want to start? Man, it's great. For me, it just, it's all the things that our faith points to. It's the fulfillment of everything that Jesus has done. Uh, you know, the grand narrative of scripture that starts in Genesis finds its culmination in Revelation. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, people have been saying forever that Jesus is coming back. Well, yeah, that's a key part to our faith. So we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Even if he doesn't come in our generation, we need to learn it. We need to teach it because it's a key component of our faith. So I think the, you know, sensationalistic side and date setting and all this kind of stuff has just detracted from the real beauty of Bible prophecy. But for me, in terms of discernment, I think it just reminds me, this is not our home. 
this is a temporary place. We have a job to do. Like you said, we don't work for our salvation, but we, we can do things now that we won't be able to do in eternity. We can't yeah. reach people for Christ in eternity. We can't teach people that Jesus is coming again after Jesus comes again. Right. So these things, for me, it forces me to, number one, learn a lot more about God's word, which directs us in all areas of life and discernment. And also it gives me hope for my future, especially when you see the world crumbling around you. We can have confidence and hope and peace even as the world goes crazy. Yeah, very well said. Uh, it makes me think about uh, when my sons played high school football for their team, they was, there was an orthopedic specialist that was at every game. And uh, he he just volunteered to do that, you know. And so any anybody got hurt, he was always there, you know, Johnny on the spot to take care of him and stuff. I think that's kind of what Todd and I are doing right now. We're kind of like those specialists, you know. We're we're not majoring in uh, you know gastrointestinal problems or you know <laughs> uh, you know eyesight or whatever. We're just taking care of the bone stuff or whatever. And I think that's one of the, the ways that. Uh, that Bible prophecy sort of gives us hope is that we're able to come into the body of Christ to equip people in a certain area to strengthen them. You know, Paul talks, or yeah, Paul in Romans 15 talks about how the the, the encouragement that comes from the scriptures. Uh, and also because in Revelation 19, 10, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Mm-hmm. So all of Bible prophecy just leads us to Jesus. I mean, it makes you love Jesus, makes you be in awe of Jesus, uh, makes you want to tell people about Jesus. And so Bible prophecy really does that for people. So that's kind of how, you know, in our area, we're coming in and, and, and helping to equip the body of Christ uh, in this area. And plus, it's an area where the vast majority of believers have almost zero knowledge. Mm. And so it's it's a it's a eureka moment for them. It's an aha moment. It's a the joy of discovery, you know, when they start learning these things. And so it's a joy for us to bring it to them. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many questions now, even for people who follow God about what's going on in the world, what does the future hold? Where's well, how can I find security financially or just have enough food in the house? Like all these questions, right? And a lot of times we take God out of the mix when we have those those moments of fear, uh, because if we trust in God, we know that even if we don't understand what's coming, we know who's coming. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's an important part of understanding prophecy. And uh, a lot of Christians too, just avoid the topic altogether. You know, yeah. it can't be understood. I'm just not going to try. And I mean, to be honest, it is sometimes confusing when you see well-learned scholars on both sides, make a very strong case for all kinds of things complete opposite of one another. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of times uh, people are just like, well, I'm just going to be uh, agnostic when it comes to es- eschatology, like who can yeah. know. And, and so what would you say to Christians who have those thoughts? I'd say, and I hear that a lot. People say I'm, I'm pan-millennialist or, or <laughs> so, and I understand it. You do. It is confusing. When I dove in, I had to look at the different views. It's actually less complex than people think. There's, there's long story short, there's really two schools of thought in terms of how we interpret future prophecy. Either we interpret it just like we interpret the rest of the Bible, literally, or we allegorize it. And those are really the two the two ways to interpret it. So that simplifies it a little bit. But then of course you do need to roll up your sleeves and, and do some do some work. But I would tell those people who are who think it's too confusing or too complex, don't let that stop you. It's there for a reason. If you if you skip the end, it's like going to your favorite movie and walking out before the ending. <laughs> At least for yourself, figure out what you think it means. And, and it's okay to say, I don't know. And also Jeff and I also often highlight that it's not a salvation issue. 
It's sure. not a, we shouldn't divide over it. We should still fellowship with believers who hold other views. Yeah. But the, as Jeff often says, the purpose, it's called Bible study because it takes study. Like mm. it's, it's not the simple stuff. Like a child can understand salvation, John three sixteen. anybody can pick that up. But when it comes to some of the, you know, theological systems or, or areas of theology, including eschatology, it does take a little bit of Bible study to figure out. But the reason we think it's so relevant right now is because of what we're seeing in the world, because of things like Israel becoming a nation again in 1948. That has never happened before. So it, it is different in our generation than any other generation in church history for, for those and other reasons. Yeah. So it's time that um, Christians really roll up their sleeves, do some Bible study and figure it out, at least just for yourself. And it might take a while. Sometimes it's a journey. It's not a quick, easy thing. You got to fit the puzzle pieces together and weigh the different options and then see what you think the, the word says. So it takes work, but it's, it's work well worth it. It disciples you in the process. You learn discernment in the process. You learn yeah. every area of theology in the process. So it's not wasted time. It's something that every believer, I believe, should take on. And I heard recently too, I think that like it might've been Spurgeon or, you know, people that had ideas about the end times in the late 1800s uh, didn't have Israel as a country. And so they came up with these uh, ways to explain that. Like, okay, Israel's not a country. What do we do? How do we explain this? We have, you know, yep. we still trust the Bible. So let's come up with these other ideas that, and a lot of those ideas have stuck even through the fact of seeing Israel uh, as a, as a country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That really is a game changer. It's kind of, um, I guess, surprising or puzzling to me that people would not uh, come to a more of a literal view of Bible prophecy since Israel has become a nation. And that's exactly what the Bible said, you know, what happened. And so it's kind of like, okay, so if this, these things keep happening literally, then shouldn't we just read the rest of it literally and, and expect, you know, uh, but to your, your point, your question there, Tim, it's interesting because Christians will say, well, I don't know. I, that's just, I'll leave it. I'll leave that up to you experts kind of thing, but Hey, it's in your Bible. It's not just in my Bible. It's in right. everybody's Bible. And, you know, God could have ended the Bible any way he wanted to, but he ended it with a book that was 95% prophecy. So that tells us something that God mm-hmm. wants us to know. Uh, and also, as Todd said, I mean, it's, it's not, it's re- it really isn't rocket science. I mean, any believer can really understand it. Um, and then the last thing is just simply, uh, there can't be two views that are right. You know, <laughs> I mean, it can't be both symbolic and literal at the same point, you know, and right. uh, either, either Christ is coming back h- here or he's coming back here, uh, but he can't come back at both times, you know? So, uh, so if there is a right view, then, and, and you're a student of scripture or you want to know God more, it would seem to me that your desire would, would force you in the direction. So at least let me come to a decision for me, you know, mm-hmm. so that I can feel comfortable about something. So, uh, but it's, yeah. it's exciting. As Todd said, the benefits that come from studying prophecy are just like, it's like discovering a room of your house. You didn't even know you you had, mm. and it's a huge room and it's all this stuff's in there. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a huge area of discovery and it just brings so many blessings promises of blessing. In fact, revelation yeah. three, one, three. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's been so much talk about it in both good and bad ways. I mean, there's been so many movies that people have watched without reading their Bible that have swayed <laughs> their thoughts on the end times. Yeah. Uh, where they're much more easily going to pick up that, or, I mean, even comic books. And I mean, this whole idea of, I was talking about multiverses with superheroes and all these like far out things that just intrigue us. Like people want to know, people want to believe in a higher power. They want to believe in superheroes. They want to believe in the supernatural. And so, but a lot of times we go looking for that stuff in the wrong places. And so that's why, uh, you know, the next question I had for you guys is what are some things that have caused harm or confusion when it comes to Bible prophecy or eschatology that have hurt it? 
Uh, yeah, I, I think the first thing, I'll just jump in real quick and yeah, uh, yeah. just say, um, I think it's just people being extra biblical. In other words, bringing in ideas and, and speculations and concepts and, you know, stories and that stuff that, that are not based in scripture. Mm-hmm. And Todd and I, because this is how we are individually, but together we've made a commitment to say what the Bible says yeah. and to not go outside of that. And, and if, if there is a speculation, say, well, this could be fulfilled in this way, we'll say it that way. Uh, but there's been a lot of speculation. And let's be honest, Tim, you talk about discernment. Discernment, I think, is probably the greatest need in the body of Christ today yeah. uh, because it's just not there on the whole. And so because of that, people are easily misled, uh, especially if you have a degree attached to your name or you have a show or whatever. I mean, you have a sense of influence on people. And so Christians will follow these people. And so they bring in all these extra biblical things. So uh, I would say that's that's the biggest thing is that uh, they just take ideas that are not found in scripture and kind of work them into the Bible somehow to, to where mm-hmm. people say, oh, I didn't know that was in there. And so it kind of misleads them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, and the things we mentioned earlier, the date setting, even though Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, yeah. um, the, sensationalizing it, think, like Jeff said, bringing in things that aren't in scripture. And I think another area that causes confusion, and actually Jeff and I have been getting quest- frequent questions on this lately, is how do you understand the difference between Old Testament prophets and modern day people who call themselves prophets? Or what's the difference mm-hmm. between New, New Testament, mm-hmm. Testament prophecy and Old Testament prophecy? So we're actually going to tackle that here in a, in a couple episodes on our podcast, but but that also causes confusion because there are people who claim to be prophets that are saying things that are not in scripture. Um, and I'm not saying they're not believers and they're not well-intentioned, but if you're, you can't say something with the authority of God, if it's not in scripture, and that's where people get confused because they, they, they don't know how to filter all that. So we stick to the Bible. We believe the old Testament prophets were prophets during that historical era where Israel was going astray and God was trying to call them back. And he was, the immediate context was their context that they were going to be judged, but also all the prophets, we call it the mountain peaks of prophecy, also jumped to the end times to tell us what's going to happen in the end times. So once the canon was closed, once once revelation was done, we don't need other information. We need discernment, we, and we have the Holy Spirit to, to help us understand that and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and honestly, everything we just mentioned, I feel like a lot of it is spiritual warfare. I think the enemy is trying to confuse people trying to get Christians not to study for themselves, trying to get us our eyes off of the end times because those things are important and they're coming that we're closer now to Jesus's return than we've ever been before, but there's the least amount of interest than there's ever been, at least in my generation. Yeah. And there's so many sensationalized events in the last 20 years. I mean, you think about the Mayan calendar in 2012, you think about Mm -hmm. uh, in 2000, the Y2K and a lot of things that are extra biblical, like you're saying that is like, oh, this has to be it. This has to be what's going to happen. This is how Jesus is going to do it. And, you know, even in the eighties, I grew up in the eighties and the early nineties, where it was a, such a big thing, you know, eight, eight, there's a book, 88 reasons Jesus is going to come in 1988. And then yeah. I think there was a book after that, 89 reasons why he's going to come in 89. <laughs> it's like, just give up already, you know, you can write yeah. one every year and make money. Yeah. And so uh, that has, I mean, it's burned me in the past where it's like, uh, I didn't think I was going to even go through high school. Cause I had this idea that Jesus was going to come back before then. And I think if we build up that approach where 
we just look so much to heaven and we want to be there. We want Jesus to come. Absolutely. But then when we start to uh, do those things where then we start, we don't live our life here as we're supposed to. And so, you know, as we look ahead to the future, um, what, to, how does that impact Christians today? Like, what is our, our, our task for us? You know, how do we live? You know, we don't want to sell everything and go live in the mountains, but at the same time, you know, what is our daily, our daily focus in light of prophecy? Well, I, I think we look at scripture and, and we see what Paul told the believers there. I mean, he told them to be prepared for the return of Christ, to anxiously anticipate the return of Christ. But then he gave them all these other things to do in the meantime. You know, it's like, oh, husbands, love your wives and you know, treat your, you know, your fellow believers well, encourage each other, tell people about Christ. So it's kind of like there's kind of a, du- a duality there, sort of at the same time, we expect Christ to come back at any time, but we also may not see him in our lifetime. So we have to keep living our lives. I mean, I love the quote by Martin Luther who says, if I knew Christ was coming back tomorrow, I'd plant a tree today because I may be here to see that tree grow up. Mm. And so there's kind of a, you know, kind of a dual citizenship that we have and half our minds here, you know, they're the parts in heaven. But, um, but I think that keeping that balance, because otherwise, as you just mentioned, I mean, it creates more of a panic than a preparedness mm. and people have a true anxiety about the Lord's return. And God says, no, look, I want you to continue to occupy, continue to do what I've told you to do. So be obedient and every day, keep rowing. I mean, keep swimming, you know, keep biking, keep doing what you're supposed to have babies. I mean, we tell young couples, oh yes, have babies. I mean, good gracious. I mean, God wants you to just live your life and enjoy it to the full, but just know that you could hear that trumpet blast at any time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, one, one, my favorite books that Paul wrote, I think are first and second Thessalonians. And if you read those in, in context, basically he's telling the believers, uh, of course, that's where he unpacks the rapture and, and all kinds of other good eschatological stuff, but he's basically telling them, keep your feet on the ground and an eye to the sky. That's mm-hmm. the hell. It's a, it's a, there's a tension in that, but it's the healthiest way to live as believers for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've seen it also used with the fear-based approach, you know, with the rapture where, uh, you don't have that confidence like you do of your salvation. Like I might miss it if I have uh, if I sinned last night and I didn't repent, then I'm going to miss it. And I think that has done a lot of damage too, where, you know, you have the stories, you know, you come home, you can't find your family. You think you missed the, you know, the rapture. And uh, mm-hmm. that's not the point of it. That's a, that's a blessed hope that we have of the future. It's not to be done in a fear-based, you know, I'm gotcha moment where, uh, you know, God's looking to keep you out of heaven. He's looking, he's looking to take his, the true believers to heaven. And so I think, if, you know, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we're following him. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to, um, you know, sure. Confess, confess your sin, repent. I mean, all those things are still important, but it's not because of, you know, we might miss the boat. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well put. Absolutely. Yep. So tell us more about the illustrated guide to tough questions about the end times. Uh, who is it for? What do you hope that people will gain by reading it? Uh, let well, me say this, for, let me jump in Todd, Cause I want to yeah, brag yeah. on Todd here for a second. Um, <laughs> Uh, Todd, Todd Hampson is a brilliant Bible student. And, and that was the thing. I didn't even know he was really an artist, to be honest. I, I just knew he was an incredible, uh, hungry Bible student and he knows the Bible. And that's one of the reasons why I think we work so well together. And so when Todd and I wrote this book, I mean, we both knew that we're going to be bringing solid content to believers. And then Todd adds his amazing illustrations that really puts the whole book in 3D almost, you know, mm. I know that's the wrong term, Todd, but you know, it's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but seriously, I mean, it's a hundred questions about 
10 different topics uh, in uh, involving the end times. And so Todd and I just basically chopped it up, said, you take this, I'll take this kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, but it really does kind of help it to pop. And it's reaching, Tim, a whole new generation. This untapped bot part of the body of Christ is waking up due to in part mm-hmm. to, I think, the way the book is put together. And mm-hmm. so it's a fun thing. You can jump in at any point and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's uh, doing well. Todd, mm-hmm. what do you want yeah, to add? Yeah, well, th- thanks for those kind words, Jeff. I appreciate yeah. it, man. And Likewise, Je- I mean, Jeff's just been a mentor to me in many ways, and it's been, you know, I've learned so much from him and iron sharpens iron. So God's really using it to sharpen us. As Amen. And yeah. honestly, we have, I feel like as time's gone on, we have more of a burden to be thoroughly, thoroughly biblical for all the yeah. reasons we just talked about. Yeah. Um, and one feature I love in this book is that the way we laid it out, and this was a God thing, God just kind of led us to do this. It's in 10 different sections and the sections are fairly chronological in order. And also in each of those 10 sections are the top 10 questions that we get or that we've heard people ask. So the book can be used in a lot of different ways. People can literally read it cover to cover like any other book, or they can see, oh, I I need to study. I need to learn more about the millennial kingdom. Let me go to that section and and see those top 10 questions about the millennial kingdom. Mm. So it's topical, it's chronological, and it's holistic and it's systematic. So it's it really does. We put a lot of work into this thing so that it would be a great resource for a long time, not just kind of a one hit wonder. Yeah. Would you say it's for like teens and up? Is that like your vision for the age? Yeah, we've, we've yeah. had it like uh, my, my son, he was a 10th grader, I think when he when it first came out, he read it. And then we've literally had people who are in their 70s and 80s reading it. So mm. it's a pretty, pretty broad, but it's written very conversationally, very easy. You know, if we do use big, big $5 words, we explain what that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, all those questions I think people have at some point or another, uh, but maybe they're too afraid to ask. Maybe their church doesn't really want to talk about that because it can get a little crazy depending on what you believe. And also, uh, I mean, you don't want to Google that stuff either because who knows what you'll come up with. So, I mean, that's a safe way to really have all those questions answered uh, without uh, piecemealing it out, you know, and trying to find Mm -hmm. it on your own. So I think that's a good, good approach to it. That's a good point because, I mean, we all have trusted voices and that's really what we're trying to be. And the, the biggest way we try to be a trusted voice is to say over and over again, don't trust us, study the scripture. That We're just mm-hmm. pointing you right back to the word, but here it is in systematic form so you can go check it out yourself. Yeah, very cool. So uh, we talked briefly about this, but what do you think the call to action is for believers who differ on their views of prophecy uh, with other believers? You know, uh, we see this take place in Facebook comments where there's no love. And uh, what would you say for uh, strategy for Christians who have people in their church, people in their family, uh, you know, that may not even agree with us on this podcast. Uh, what would you say is a good strategy for still moving together in love? Yeah. yeah, And I I can speak to that because I was on staff uh, at a church where four of us were uh, pre-trib pre-mill and one was Amil. And we had wonderful, fun discussions, uh, you know, about the subject. And at the end of the time together, uh, we're brothers in Christ who love each other to death. And we would usually end by saying, well, you know, you have your right to be wrong, you know, kind of thing (laughs) to each other. Um, But also, you know, when you just consider the whole body of Christ, I mean, as I said earlier, I mean, there has to be one view uh, on a certain subject that is the correct interpretive view. So just study it for yourself. And just know that it's okay if someone disagrees. I mean, I have people all the time who will write me, uh, send me emails over and over again about different subjects uh, that they they vehemently disagree with me on. 
And I'm just very kind back say, Hey, you might want to check out this resource kind of thing. But I've found, I have found on subjects like this, that, uh, it's hard to have a healthy dialogue, especially on social media, because you're, mm. you're not there with voice inflection and your spirit. You're trying to communicate stuff. It's just raw words. And so it's really difficult to do that. So I would discourage people from doing that. Just go study it for yourself. You know, watch some really trusted sources or read some good books and stuff. And then in the end, it's really all about love, because if I end up being wrong on a certain view, I'm still going to heaven. I'll see you there. We'll both be perfected. It'll all be good. You know, uh, yeah. if you're wrong, same thing, but it shouldn't cause a, a, a disfellowshipping of, you know, us being close to one another, um, especially from a non salvific issue uh, like this. It is important, but it's not the most important thing. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. It, it, it's very important, but nothing you should break fellowship over to me. There's so much you know, division in the world right now anyway, the enemy would love for the church to be divided on one more issue. So the more we can come together and be unified as believers, center around the things that we agree on that are fundamentals of the faith, this is a secondary issue as important as it is, but good, strong believers disagree with this. One of my favorite kind of real-time, real-life friendships that I've seen play out over the years was uh, between John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul Mm. on completely different sides of the eschatological spectrum, but they were best friends and they would joke with each other about their different views and they would even debate each other at times, but they had a true love for one another, a real friendship and demonstrated Christian unity, even though they didn't agree on every single thing. So we need to model that now, I think more than any other time in our lifetime. Yeah, very true. Uh, one of my favorite quotes I say a lot on this podcast is in essentials, unity and non-essentials, liberty and in all things, charity. Amen. And I think that's a, a good motto to live by, uh, with our Christians, brother, Christian brothers and sisters. So Amen. Well, we're almost at the end of our time. How would you like a couple of curveball questions real quick? Yeah, yeah you got it. I'll, all say, right, I'll give them all the, if they're hard, give them the job. Yeah. <laughs> I've not prepared these. I've not prepared these or prepared you for them. So here we go. Let's see what you do with them. So, uh, and I have to even think of them as we go. Uh, when Jesus said this generation shall not pass, why was he not talking about the generation in front of him? Yeah, because he's uh, he's the context of the passage there, the context of the conversation uh, was about the generation of the end times of the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he's pointing, he's saying, and this generation that I'm talking about is is the one that's not going to pass away. People try to make that into, oh, it's a 40-year generation since Israel became a nation and that kind of thing. But if you just take it, the plain talk that mm. Jesus is giving in that passage, I, I think it's pretty clear. He's just saying this generation won't pass away mm. until these things have passed. And of course, we also know from history, those things did not come to pass in the disciples' generation. So that knocks that interpretation out as well. So it has to be the future generation that's going to go through those things. So that's how yeah. we... Because part of what he said there was the generation that sees all these things. Some of these, all these things, including mid-trib events and and later in the tribulation period. So I think it's definitely talking about that end time generation. All right. And I'm sorry, one other thing. This is important. Because this tripped me up for a while. And I think, and Jeff clarified this for me. I think too, what what Jesus is saying there is, it's not because there are some people that are teaching this, that we're already in the third seal judgment and, and world war one was seal one. No, it's, it's one, all these things are going to happen in a short context, a short time period. It's going to be a quick seven years. So yeah. one generation will see all of those things happen. All right. Is the antichrist alive today? Yes or no? 
Jeff gets emails from him all the time. <laughs> I do. I'm yeah. not even joking. He's he's yeah. had about four emails from people claiming to be the antichrist. Oh my goodness, so. really? Oh yeah. Why <laughs> would you want to claim? Why would you want to claim that thing? Oh my goodness. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <for real. laughs> they always ask me if I want to know more information. You know, kind yeah. of things. Yeah. Like, no, I've got it all already right here in yeah, the scripture. Right. But uh, I think it's very possible he could be alive today. I mean, if <laughs> if the rapture doesn't happen for another forty years, then the Antichrist is probably alive today because he's got to be an adult. You would assume he has to be an adult to assume power of the world. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's very, very possible that he's alive today. In fact, probable. And, awesome. and Satan really probably has to have a candidate for Antichrist ready for every generation because mm. he has no idea uh, when the rapture is going to happen and when God's going to, you know, allow these things to take place. So, um, so I think there's probably been a, a potential antichrist like candidate that Sade would want to completely inhabit in just about every generation. Yeah. All right. Two more. Does the mark of the beast include microchip? Yes or no? I, I would say no. I think it's, uh, and actually there's another one. Jeff's done some study on it. It says on the hand, not in the hand. Mm. I think that technology could be what's laying the groundwork for what's used. It could be some digital technology that's connected to, the internet and all that kind of stuff and, and digital currency and everything else. But I don't think it's going to be under the skin. I think it's going to be a visible mark that people see, uh, but it still could be digital. Gotcha. Okay. Great. And last one, AD 70. Why was that not when Jesus came in the clouds and glory? <laughs> yeah. Good question. Uh, mainly because that uh, John wrote revelation, all the evidence points to about 95 AD and also, none of the other things we see in Revelation associated with his second coming occurred in 70 AD. So it's kind of like, okay, it's just like, you know, some people uh, in history could have been born in Bethlehem or could have a father or a mother that lined up with Jesus' genealogy, but they didn't get all the points, right? They didn't fulfill all the prophecies. So some things could have happened throughout history, uh, but all these things have to happen in order for it to be truly in biblical. So yes, Jerusalem was forecast to be destructed, but in terms of the rest of Revelation, none of that happened in 70 AD. So for that reason, we would reject that. Very good. All right. You guys were good sports and you survived. If anyone listening is... <laughs> likes those types of questions, I'm sure they can find plenty more in your book. So go ahead and let everyone know where they can connect with you and get your resources, your podcast, anything else you'd like to promote? Yeah. If they just go to Prophecy Pros podcast, that'll give them all the information they need. And if they do have other Zinger questions, they can they can answer ask questions through that and we'll answer those uh, as soon as we get a chance. And also at that website, it points to Jeff's site and my site if they want to look at what other books and other ministries we have. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that whole series of nonprofits that, that you did, Todd, I think is really mm -hmm. good for, for younger kids, right? Uh, teens and stuff to have lots yeah, of questions. It's, again, it's, it's, yeah. I was trying to target the next generation, yeah. but I'm finding that probably the biggest demographic are women in their thirties and forties who love, who are learning eschatology and starting small groups on their own. So Very go cool. figure. Yeah. I love that nonprofits. That's such a good play on words. So. <laughs> Thank you. Cool, guys. Well, I'll put uh, links to the show notes for all your stuff. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I would encourage everyone to check out your podcast. Yeah, it's a Thanks. pleasure. Thank you again. And uh, God bless you in your ministry. Yeah, Thanks for what you're doing, man. This is yep. a huge need in the church. And uh, I'm going to be tuning in now that I discovered you. <laughs> awesome. Stuff. All right. God bless, guys. Take Thanks. Care. Well, thank you so much to the Prophecy Pros for coming on the podcast. If you enjoyed their content, check out their podcast, The Prophecy Pros, including their books. I just got a new book from Todd Hampson called The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy. It's a new book. It has illustrations and a grade from Genesis to Revelation look at prophecy.
Well, be sure to hit subscribe to this podcast so you can get alerts when new episodes come out, as well as go back with the over 100 episodes of ones you might have missed. Next week, I'm talking to Drew Barker. He's a pastor who also has a podcast called Hope After Hurt. I was also on this podcast a few months ago talking about the Hillsong documentary that came out, so you can check that out. And he's going to be on this podcast next week. So until then, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.